How to structure an SEO training session with Billy Gina Hyde. The In Search SEO podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps skill your business through data and analytics. It's David. How should you decide what SEO training needs to be delivered and how do you structure that training session? That's what we're going to be discussing today with the self-called Danny DeVito of SEO. Who's going to play her twin though? I'm not sure if Arnie's available. She talks about SEO so much that she's been given the job running the L&D department at Salt Agency. A warm welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, Billy Gina Hyde. Hi David, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on Billy, where well, you can find Billy over at salt.agency. So Billy, how do you decide what SEO training needs to be delivered? So there's multiple aspects in there, really. That's such a broad question. Uh, so the first thing you need to look at, are you an agency who's looking after a lot of staff who all have different training needs? Are you in-house? Things like that. But So if we were speaking about an agency, how we work is we've actually realized um, and created a 200-point matrix of skills that are essential for anyone that works in SEO. And we can see the entire company in just a very clear view of where they are and where they're expected to be at various levels. And we can use that in line with business needs to identify what's coming up and what training is needed and who's going to be working on that project because we want to challenge our team members. You you want a good way to ensure retention is to make sure that anyone in your team's feeling valued and is also being challenged in what they do. So what what we might do is say we've got a migration coming up in 6 months. Let's get this person who's never done one and this person who's worked on a migration uh, but never led on one and then someone who's experienced and traumatized on them um, to to work together on that project and we can I- work together to identify what that's going to look like um, have a plan for it and create an entire spectrum of training around that so it's bespoke and everyone's got the skills to complete what needs to happen and then the next time they do this they're ready to go on the next level of the matrix and um, you'll be you're able to see everything in a really granular view if you think what's coming up and how can we push a person to do something they've never done before and I think the same goes if you do work as an in-house SEO operation really you can you know what works there what's feasible and you can create something really bespoke and provide that knowledge months in advance and that that's what my job is to do is to figure that out. So this matrix that you're talking about there with 200 items in it, is that something that stays fairly static and uh, it, it includes SEO skills that um, are relevant now and also for the longer term? Or is it something that needs to be re- revisited um, as each month goes by? It does need to be revisited. So um, the our co-founder Reza recently did a presentation at Brighton SEO on this entire matrix basically in our plans which I can share so you can see what that kind of looks like a bit better but we identify all the core skills so there's client management in there there's content management there's strategic there's technical there's everything in between Um, and 
a lot of the core elements don't necessarily change, but we add things, we regularly add things and make sure that it's relevant to the search landscape and what SEOs are actually doing. So the only thing that comes to my head really at the moment, which is probably a bad example, um, headless SEOs really recently become a really specific and um, popular topic. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we've had to add into that matrix and uh, make sure that everyone's got a baseline understanding and those that have had opportunity to experience doing things around that are assisting with and leading how that training is going to look for the wider company. Uh, So it does need regularly updating. It's really important that you do stay up to date, whether it's on Twitter or Mastodon or whatever happens on uh, with social media going forward. Um, Make sure that you're staying up to date with with everything that people are arguing about and contradictory so you can have that core knowledge and know probably what a client might ask about because we need training you never know what's going to happen as an agency you never know what a client's going to think about so we need to make sure that everyone's clued up on everything all the time and it's a really difficult thing to do and but it's so powerful so when you're identifying so many different elements that need to be learned there are obviously different techniques to deliver training. There are different learning styles that different individuals prefer as well. How do you identify what needs to be taught in different manners? So for instance, uh, if you compare face-to-face training compared with perhaps doing a course online and perhaps self-learning, what would be an example of something that's best delivered face-to-face versus something that's best self-taught? So a good example would be something that I think is good being taught face-to-face is probably the things that are a bit drier to learn. So um, data analysis, yes, you need to actually go and play around and learn that stuff. But to be shown the best practice, that's probably best done in person because you can make it more engaging. You're not just watching a video that you can zone out from where they're talking about finding data sets or creating a specific view. You can be live, you can show them, you can make things more fun and engaging. The same goes for things like indexing signals. They're not they're not a fun topic. Who wants to sit and watch a video about indexing signals or read about them or anything like that? If you can I'm sure some people do. <laughs> absolutely. I'm the fool who that that's how I learn. <laughs> but um I never want to do that again. So if you can make that more interesting and engaging by doing that in person, the the learner is going to get much more out of it. However, there's some things that I think need um, that are more complex and have multiple answers. So they'd probably be best learned um, by having someone available to answer questions, but to actually manually delve into them yourself. So say if you was teaching somebody to do a technical audit or check core web vitals and audit all the various aspects of that, they're going to learn more by doing, but they're going to have a lot of questions to ask. So um, you could create a scenario for them where they have to do that and look into it and then present their information and their learnings to somebody who's a subject matter expert, but also is available to ask questions to and things like that and they're going to get more out of that 
that way. And and what about training non-SEOs? So so what would be an example of a few SEO things to learn that are important for non-SEOs? I'm thinking content marketers, um, other people within the organisation, they need to be aware of SEO and perhaps how it impacts what they do as well, but they don't need to get lost in the, the weeds of technical SEO. So uh, what's good to cover there? Absolutely the basics, the the what to do's, uh, well, the what not to do's definitely need to be highlighted. Um, I've seen a lot of, so companies that have in-house SEOs, I've recently heard from quite a few of them about bugbears they've had with, with content teams and marketing teams using depreciated SEO tactics. So like meta keywords, that's not been around for at least a decade and they're still dealing with that from their content writers. So they the, the, the content team in particular, they, they don't need to be SEO experts, but they need to know the basics. And as much as I hate third-party metrics uh, that's a whole thing um but um talk a little bit about spam score and be like the meta keywords used to be a really important thing but as seo's grown historically that's died out it's not a thing and actually google may actually view this as a as a spam tactic you need to kind of maybe talk about seo in the terms of history depending on how long the content team's been there what kind of niche you're in um, and also definitely teach them about internal linking and that it is okay to link out and and a lot of things that seem really basic to us that we wouldn't necessarily bother talking about. Those are the things that the other teams need to know. I think what you touched on earlier on there was great advice and actually train people on what not to do because a, a lot of, as you say, content writers uh, may have actually received SEO training 10 years ago and they may be still doing things that used to be quite effective but nowadays is actually either not effective at all or perhaps even negative on the success of what they're trying to do. So I I think that's a great idea to actually research what their current workflow is, what they're currently doing and untrain them before you actually train them initially as well. What about repetition of training because obviously we touched upon there the fact that maybe SEO training might have been delivered in the past. Um, How often should SEO training be delivered and and how much knowledge should you expect people to actually retain from a training session? So um, what I like to do is I'll run a training session multiple times throughout a year but each time I run it it'll be more advanced than the last time. So say if we was running a training session for someone that's um, relatively new to the industry, let's say we're talking about, my brain's just forgot every single bit of SEO information I've ever had there. Um, Let's say we're talking about indexing signals. I'd be teaching them about broken pages and redirects and maybe I'd, I'd start wanting to challenge them into the things that they, that might be more difficult. So maybe some rarer things that come up or maybe just canonicals, just so there's like a little bit of intrigue and interest. But these aren't things that gonna, might be a regular part of their workflow because they're, they're relatively new. So they're, they're aware that there's more to it, but they've got the information that's core to them then. And mm. then I might be running a session for people that are more... Uh, senior in the company so maybe like a junior or the midweights I 
can then speak to the people that have attended the session and be like, look, we're doing another session. It's been a couple of months. We're going more advanced. We're looking at everything in a much wider spectrum. And we're also going to be doing some activities about it. I know you, you're doing X, Y, Z. And it'll tie into things that you're doing. Come along. Some bits might be a bit advanced, but I really think you can rise to the challenge. Whatever. I don't know why I'm telling you my exact email there that I'd probably send. <laughs> um, but then you can push them further. And we keep doing that. And eventually you want want these the the people that have attended these sessions to be able to run them or to answer questions about them we want to get them to a point where they've seen it in multiple levels if each time they will they won't remember everything so you want to wait till they've had time to put things into practice you can create scenarios for them create activities or tests or whatever and then it'll get to a point where actually i feel like i'm getting to be that subject matter expert I'm understanding this quite advanced and each time each time you do it and get that more advanced, the less I have to work in the future. Um, it's all about future-proofing your training so you don't have to be the expert all the time that you've built the next set of experts. Superb. Okay, well, let's finish off with... The Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says that you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. So what's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort? I always recommend create supporting pages for your key pages, almost like a knowledge hub or a content hub, however you want that to be. Yes, it's going to be a little bit of work, but you're building that. You're building eat there for you. You're showing yourselves as as having a a full understanding of whatever your core product of opportunity is you've created an entire hub around it and those pages from my experience tend to do better in search so it's just a little bit of additional work you might be creating five pages instead of one but if that information all supports that you're going to get years of um, value out of it Right. Okay. And just in terms of link structure for that hub structure, what, what does that look like? I mean, for instance, do you have your main piece of hub content, your core piece of content, uh, and then maybe 10 supporting pages all linking into your big hub piece of content and your hub piece of content doesn't link out to the sub pages? So it all would depend on the topic, but uh, the most common way I see this being done is kind of as like, I'm uh, trying to draw an image in my head, but um, like, it's, let's say it's three pillars. The first pillar, that's going to be your service. That's your core operate. Uh, um, yeah, that's your core offering. Um, and that's probably targeting those generic terms that are hard to rank for. There's a lot of competition. You can then offer sub pages that, that link to that. And those will be, let's get more specific into these offerings. Is they like, other products within that? Is there other offerings? What additional information do they need to know about this core thing that doesn't make sense to have there? And then you could have a third thing in that hub, which would link up. And this is where most of the pages would be, where let's answer all the questions. Let's give every bit of information. What problems does this solve? And who is the end product for? So is this for an accounts team is this um let's say it's um a SaaS product it's uh I, I can't think of one from the top of my head but um the person that's buying this is this going to be someone from the accounts team is it a facilities team is it the ceo like you can go really specific and just link 
upwards to that core page. That's the way I have seen it done the most, but it can spiral off into a million different structures. Um, For me, that's probably the cleanest. No, that's good. That's good. I mean, essentially what you're saying is think about it from a user perspective you know what makes sense logically but then also come up with your plan and then just implement it get it done and don't don't make it too complicated yeah simple's always best i've been your host ever bain you can find billy gina hyde over at salt.agency billy thanks so much for being on the in search seo podcast no problem thank you and thank you for listening Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at rankranger.com.